I just came back from the salon. And for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells un. Believable, Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze's other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom or a maternal figure in your life? Let me tell you about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you want to ask. Then she can either type up her response or record her voice. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I want to know about the stories of how my mom and dad grew up. What's the first thing they remember after they were born? That's one of the questions I sent to my dad after signing up for my life in a book. And I can't think of a greater gift to give my dad in sharing his stories and to receive. It's super easy to use. My favorite part of it, as someone who sometimes lives on turtle time and forgets <laughs> about sending or receiving email, is that they reach out a couple days prior to sending questions just so I know of what questions they're going to send to my dad, if I want to change it for another question or customize it with something that I want to know. It's that kind of specificity and care that I love so much. This is genuinely an incredible, incredible gift. There's no greater present than I could give 
a family member or a loved one than to participate in this kind of meaningful appreciation for the entirety of their lives, separate from my own. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code ANDYSGIRLS at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom or loved one this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com with code ANDYSGIRLS for 10% off today. And thank the Jills Aaron and your life and mine. My photos may be filtered, but my mouth never is. My third eye is open and baby, I see you. <laughs> I was like, did you hear me squeal when you said my third eye? Because I was so excited. <laughs> you guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode 206. And listen, I am swinging right into this combo because I'm very excited about the energy of my guest. Uh, episode 206, it's the first episode. I have to say before I introduce my guest of um, two episodes a week, which is an exciting new chapter for Andy's girls. We're 200 plus episodes in and I made an announcement on Instagram this weekend that this is the start of one of Ramona's new beginnings. I have true faith in the AGs and I am so excited about this new journey. So guys, you must subscribe to the podcast if you're not already and like the pod five stars on iTunes, nothing else will do and join the AG Patreon so that twice a week can continue and maybe even grow from there. And anyway, add over. Listen, you guys, I'm so excited to be joined by a phenomenal, phenomenal guest who comes to uh, Andy's Girls by way of Clubhouse, which is an interesting introduction to several AGs, I have to say, who I have met through the glory of Clubhouse and these like deep conversations. So I'm so excited to have nationally recognized media strategist and talent relations pro and internationally accomplished journalist and entrepreneur not and also close friend and collaborator of a new New York housewife, which we will get to none other than Giselle Phelps. How are you, Giselle? Oh, Welcome. Welcome. What to intro. Girls. Thank you so much for having me on Andy's Girls. And I love that close friend and collaborator. I, I, I love that. I'm going to coin that. That's I deep. Mean, I love it's, it. It's just a little, it's just a little, little <laughs> ad lib, just a little yeah. je ne sais quoi. Yes. But thank you for having me. Clubhouse friends are so awesome. I'm so glad that we're connected. And I feel like I didn't know what to expect with Clubhouse. And I was a little bit of like, a, all right, just kind of like suck it up and like see what happens. And because I didn't know if it was going to be just another thing. Like there are so many yeah. versions of social media and interaction. And I'm like, is this going to be like an audio house party app situation? Like, what is this <laughs> going to be like? And, you know, I am on the involved with the weekly Friday night Bravo State of the Union that Dave Quinn um, uh, moderates. And 
it's been incredibly interesting because we can have these very nuanced deep conversations which I wasn't expecting which is like the bread and butter of Andy's girls which is all focused on you know uh, the motivations behind women's behavior who we follow on Bravo but I really wasn't expecting it from Clubhouse I've been really really pleasantly surprised it's definitely a meeting of the minds and I was a little late to the party too but it is an incredible platform. And I think when you strip away everything and you're just listening to somebody kind of like podcasting as well, yeah. right? It's super intimate. And it so is. I just find that I have Clubhouse on like when I'm cooking or in the background and you just kind of like dip into these like really amazing conversations. So yeah, it's cool. It's like what you're doing here. Thank you. And the wild thing is you can't record any of it. Like they know if you record yeah. it and they like contact you and like murder you and bury you out back or something in the clubhouse, like <laughs> right? out or whatever. Like they are super, I apparently very, very focused on like the security of it when it comes to making sure that the conversations that we're having don't leave the clubhouse. So I almost got in trouble. Oh, almost, really? Well, when I first joined before I like knew I was, mm -hmm. I kind of was like trying to screen record something like a split second and they, I got a notification. It was oh like, God. you can't record this or whatever. And it was said, like, it was a warning. They were warning me, like, don't, Holy you know? Yeah. I was like, Oh, okay. And it wasn't even anything like deep. It was nothing deep. It was like in a boring room with like, me you know and a couple friends but they were like <laughs> you know yeah I mean I feel weird sometimes <laughs> when I'm even taking like a screenshot to post on IG to say like come join <laughs> right. us and like it shows all of our faces and even sometimes then I'm like I hope they don't yell at me because it's just a photo <laughs> it's not like the actual audio right. but they're very protective over their shit which is good I guess yeah. you know I think well because you're thing. trying to cultivate a safe space totally. and you know yeah so and also they don't want to lose people. They don't want people to be, you know, accessing their content without going into the app too, which I'm sure exactly. is a big part of it. And um, I think there's a lot of journalists in there. So mm -hmm. people are afraid about, you know, things getting reported and yeah. I feel like has that happened yet um, in the housewives world of any kind of like page six yada yada um, from Clubhouse? I haven't seen, I have not seen anything in the housewives world yet. Um, but there are definitely journalists who cover housewives on Clubhouse, right? Because I interact and interface with them on the app. But I think people are just respecting what it is, right? Like they'll have a conversation with people on the app, but I haven't really seen anything transfer mm -hmm. from what somebody said on the app to being printed, you know, in a publication. I haven't seen that happen yet. I mean, what's so interesting to me with the timing of you being on AG, you've been on the Cal for a couple weeks, and the, it has been an interesting news cycle relating to Housewives. We saw the trailer for New York get announced, and then 13 minutes later, Bethany <laughs> announces that she her divorce yeah. was finalized which apparently happened in like late January but just magically you know was released through a, I think a people exclusive and also that people which she hasn't confirmed on social media but people also had an exclusive that a source confirmed that she's engaged to Paul her 
on and off um, boyfriend of the last couple years. And it's the timing of it, the strategic imperative on using a few <laughs> specific publications. Right. Is interesting. And it's, it sort of like makes my heart go pitter patter when New York does it because page six has always felt like an honorary New York housewife. And totally. right. Like even today, Heather Thompson is, you know, had a thing in us magazine about not getting along with Leah. And then a source was bitching on to page six about Heather never fitting in the group and nobody caring that she, you know, left halfway through the season or whatever it was. What's your sense of, of how some of these housewives use the press in order to stir up attention for their franchises or sometimes get even. Yeah. So, okay. When Bethany's news came out literally minutes after the Roni news. <laughs> 13 minutes. I mean, I know there was tons of talk about that, but honestly, it I didn't it didn't bother me at all. Like, I just think that's the name of the game. That is just the name of the game. She's a brilliant businesswoman. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like, it just is what it is. You're going to maximize a moment, right? And so people talk behind the scenes. There's a lot of sharing of information. And I think if I was on her team, I might have done that too I mean I don't know I just didn't really have a problem with it because I think like what is she supposed to wait till the next day because of a trailer or I mean when you're ready to drop news you're ready to drop news I just don't think it really matters oh I think it was super smart like I was charmed yeah. by it I wasn't upset by it but there were people like Bethany stands who were like this wasn't this has nothing to do with it she had nothing to do with the timing this is an accident you know like she doesn't run people magazine well, and it's like, well that's not how it works I would love yeah. to get your thoughts on what's well actually that happening part the scenes. yeah yeah no come on now like no <laughs> let's not act dumb okay mm. whether or not she knew okay whether or not she knew down to like the hour of when right. they were going to drop it and all that kind of minutia of what was going on at the media outlet. Okay, sure. But come on, everybody talks behind the scenes. Publicists are talking to publicists. Reporters are talking to reporters. Um, you would know kind of what's in the pipeline, mm -hmm. right? You would know what's in the pipeline and what might be coming out this week. Um, so, I mean, she might not have known it was going to drop exactly then. Sure. Possibly. But come on, you know, you know, you know when it's going to hit in the area of when something else is going to hit. You know, the general so, timeline. And yeah. the, the, I think Andy dropped a hint and the reporter who wrote the piece um, or who po who posted the the trailer and the accompanying um, info on the season to come? I think tweeted something the day before with like apples or something. People were were hinting that the next day was going to be the announcement of the trailer, and I I saw Bravo accounts saying 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. I think they were off by like an hour, or they were spot on. People knew that it was coming the next day, which is exciting because right. it builds anticipation. Exactly. And it doesn't hurt that if you are somebody who has news to share and you are related to this 
show in some way, mm-hmm. um, in a huge way. If you're Bethany, of course, you're going to want to either ride out some of the waves of attention from that or maybe take some of it for yourself you know like that's as you said but that's, that's doesn't the lit- need attention like you know she's not she doesn't need attention but she, I doesn't do think she that- doesn't she though i'm i this no, isn't even a critique it's not a critique but no, like she, she doesn't she, she doesn't she does I think she. I think Why she's do you think she does? Because that's a. She needs to stay in the news cycle. That is a huge part. If she's no longer on the show, it is not. And even if she's feeling salty or not, and I could see her being in the in the in, in between, not too far on either side. But absolutely, the she, she needs should, press, but she doesn't. Yeah. She doesn't need to be so thirsty for it that she's going to like time it so deliberately. With a housewives announcement, but I do think that they probably had knowledge Mm -hmm. of like loosely when that was going to drop, right? Mm -hmm. And I think both things were kind of probably in the pipeline simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And then also, I think just you also have to think from the media outlets' perspective, right? Like if I work at page six, like, and I know both of these things are in the pipeline, well, I'm dropping them simultaneously because that's like impact and SEO for, you know, clicks and hits on the website. Like mm-hmm. you kind of want to stagger those, those pieces when you're dropping them. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that she was like, yes, everybody needs good PR. Yes. But I don't think that she's like so thirsty that she would really need to be like, we need to drop this an hour after the sizzle comes out. Like, no, you don't know. I just, no, no. She may not have turtle timed it to like the hour, <laughs> but I don't. I could see her being like, this should. I could see her being like, you know, let's give them a little bit of news. Like the day, the same day. The trailer comes out, let's do it. And then somebody at some point was like, okay, this will be really great if it comes out right after. Or they didn't have a choice because they got the information and were told it didn't need to be embargoed. Exactly. Or I think they they wanted it to hit around the same time. Mm-hmm. That that I'm yes, I think they wanted it to hit around the same time, so the ripple they would get a nice little ripple. But yes, but I don't think it was like so deliberate down to like this needs to drop an hour after. Like no, that's just no, no. Who do you think is the best? Bravo celebrity. It could be in or in or outside of the housewives um, realm, universe, etc. Who's the best or most skilled at utilizing the press? And that Andy. Be- oh, <laughs> duh. Okay, tell me how. Expand on that a little bit. Expand on that a little yeah. bit. I mean, Andy. Yes, he's the epicenter of it all. So, I mean, just his whole empire and career. I mean, that he's built through this franchise, right? Andy literally transformed from somebody who was behind the scenes producing content to a personality himself. Nobody has done it better than the king himself. Like, Mm. yes, Andy. And he has a stake in everything. So, yeah. Do you you find it surprising that he has sort of transitioned from the executive suite of it all into talent plus of course the you know work that he does producing the housewives because he you know retains the ep title 
Well, I think it's very rare. I think that's mm-hmm. a rare transition at the level that he's doing it at. Like you just don't really see EPs and showrunners, like people that are behind the scenes really becoming personalities and like cultural phenomenons in the way that he has. It's a very rare kind of occurrence, but he's extremely likable, right? And he appeals to so many different demographics. And so I think that he was just really smart and able able to leverage that, right? Mm-hmm. And no, when he was like, when the Housewives was kind of starting, nobody else kind of had the insight and the information that he had. So nobody else could really pull that out of the Housewives the way that he could, because mm-hmm. he knew how things were getting done behind mm-hmm. the scenes. And so he could pull out that information and the reunions. And so that's kind of what really put him, you know, on the radar, on the, on the map. When did your Bravo journey begin? When did you, you know, start Girl. watching Bravo either, either before the Bravo that we know now existed yeah. or during that? When did you? Years ago. Yes. Tell well, me everything. Cra- <laughs> yeah. Well, what's crazy is I, I'm from the Toronto area. And so I'm from, I'm Canadian. And so we had a, a like weird version of Bravo in Canada. <laughs> is that Hey You? Not to be, is that what I always hear people talk about Hey You, H A Y U? Oh, no, wait, is oh, that I don't for know Europe? What that, is. that might be Europe. My apologies, international AGs. Yeah. You guys tell me about stuff and then I get them mixed up. Okay. But so, back what, what's like the, yeah, tell me 20 about the years Bravo. ago, like, yeah. you know, when I was in university, like it was a weird version of Bravo. It wasn't like, the U.S. version of Bravo. It was like, uh, yeah, it's a strange version. But anyways, we got OC and New York. And so I believe I was in college. And I New York is what I really started watching. <clears throat> I did watch OC a little bit to start out with. And I was like intrigued. But when New York started, that's, I've been watching New York from the beginning. And how has your work influenced the experience of watching Bravo? Because certainly you've, you must have had, or have you had interactions with Bravo Lebs? Does that change your experience of (laughs) being a Bravo holic when you sort of meet them IRL and get a taste of. Yeah. It's funny that you asked because I actually have known several housewives. (gasps) Uh Uh-oh before they became housewives oh I love the journey when they're <laughs> yes. just like a rich ass person but they're not necessarily you know known for yeah TV. and watching that transition who are some of the folks that you well so I used to be a tv reporter in Dallas and so um Leanne Walken is somebody that I was friendly <laughs> with oh my um, god and I've had lunch with Leanne many times. We've been to many events together. Um, also, Garcelle is somebody that I've known through social media circles. We've had lunch in New York and in LA. Um, so, and then obviously, Ebony K. Williams. Um, so, yeah, so I've known a few housewives mm-hmm. from different franchises before they became housewives. Um, and so that's always interesting to see how you know kind of how somebody was prior to and then what they look like on Mm -hmm. housewives 
so it's interesting that those are the three because all three of them first off being from different franchises is really interesting because I would think that experience is very specific to the franchise that they're on because those audiences can be very very different like the Dallas audience can be very different to New York which is very different from Beverly Hills what was your guidance to them if any offer when they told you that (laughs) they were joining the show well none none of them other than ebony told me that they were joining the show i mean we don't talk like that um but leanne i i actually tweeted something at the time i believe that like was shady oh i love she tweeted me back like girl give it a chance or something of that nature you know um so yeah so she was like she wanted me to give it a chance but I I really don't like the Dallas franchise because I don't like I don't think it's an accurate portrayal of the Dallas social scene um again like I said I I was on the news in Dallas for several years I was really kind of out and about in some of the mixes and I just don't think that it's really an accurate portrayal of what the real Dallas scene is like. Um, I think that it's too white, um, way too white. Well, now they have Tiffany. So, but that's a whole other conversation because I think just how they treat Tiffany on the show is super hard to watch. Um, But I, yeah, I just, I've never been feeling Dallas because, because I know the lay of the land in Dallas. And so I wasn't surprised that Leanne had, you know, parlayed herself onto a role on the Housewives of Dallas, but I wasn't really like here for it either. Yeah. Where do you think that she went wrong? On the show? Sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> several ways you know just yeah not being conscious enough right I think and um that's where she went wrong I mean she is a very dynamic personality Mm -hmm. I'll say that you know and and I will say that she for years has hosted charity events and galas and all that kind of stuff in Dallas she's been doing that for that is legitimately accurate yes mm-hmm. um but I think that yeah just not being conscious enough like not being having like an awareness really of like where we're at you know mm-hmm. in in the culture and in society so that might have been where she went wrong um yeah again I just was never really I was never really here for the franchise in general. So to me, it has less to do with Leanne herself mm-hmm. and just the whole franchise. Yeah, I, I don't like the casting on the Dallas franchise. I don't like the storylines on the Dallas franchise. I just don't think that it represents what the Dallas social scene is truly like. Which is about... I mean, like the the fact that they have a Simmons on the show and a Westcott on the show is that in yeah. any way representative, or is it's like that it's is that's part only. of it? Yeah, that's part of it. That's part of it. It's a yeah, that's part of it. 
but I think there's just so much more going on. Like Mm -hmm. for example, Dallas has tons of like athletes, wives and stuff that live there. We miss Um, all of that. Exactly. Like, so, um, yeah, it's huge. Like there's just tons of athletes, wives, like Dirk Nowitzki's family lives there. Right. And he has a beautiful wife, Jessica. Um, and she's like really in the Dallas social scene. Maybe she's been asked. She said, no, I don't, I have no idea. Right. Cause I'm sure a lot of people have been asked and have said no. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, beyond her, there's just so many other like amazing women of color that mm-hmm. are like integral parts of the Dallas social scene that I think when you just stick to like a Simmons and a Westcott, it's just such a very narrow slice Mm -hmm. that, you know, it kind of, it's like literally representing the Dallas Dallas, like Mm -hmm. Dallas, the show It's literally representing like that type of Dallas. Um, And it's not really representing modern contemporary Dallas. Right. Um, Yeah. So that's why I've just never really been into, into the, I watch it just because I'm nosy, but I never <laughs> been here for it. Yeah. It's it's interesting that you talk about Dallas in that way, because that makes me think a little bit about Andy's public responses regarding Orange County, where he's like, we're taking our time, you know, um, I think it was Evan Ross Katz, friend of the show, tweeted relatively recently, you know, like cancel Orange County. And and Andy responded and said something along the lines of like, don't you mean reboot? And so they're thinking of some sort of restructuring. And my guess is that everybody on that show currently is potentially in danger of losing their job because they could do a, a, a complete restructuring of the franchise, which I think most people would agree is absolutely necessary at this point. It makes me wonder if it's possible to do that with Dallas because it feels like they have driven the show in such a way that it's there's almost no ability to do anything but other new people that come into the show. Exactly. And that's not going to change because there's a pack mentality that's led by, I don't even know. I feel like it's led by all of the vets equally. And unless you are truly almost rebooting the soul of it, that we're going to get kind of not great content. You know, it's, it's not, it's not driving the story forward in that sense, regardless of individual episodes. They need to completely recast Dallas, completely. And Andy, call me, I would love to help because beyond even just like the athletes' wives, there's also like a whole church circuit, an elite church circuit in Dallas, right? Exactly. So like, that's the other thing. You're just not seeing a lot. There's an elite church circuit. There's the athletes' wives. It's just not all, you know, this Highland Park, Preston Hollow, you know, old white money, even though that's like the historic Dallas, contemporary new Dallas and the social scene that's happening mm. is, is so much more than that. And so to me, just from the jump, it was kind of boring because it was just giving me very, very old, old money, white mm-hmm. Dallas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we transitioned to Beverly Hills where you, yes. you know, mentioned a well, which is like a talk about dynasty vibes. I mean, yes. you know, diamonds and rosé. <laughs> I love Garcelle. I love Garcelle. She's, we have the same birthday. We have the same birthday. We're birthday twins, November 26th. Um, 
and she is just so cool yeah she's super cool um we met through a mutual friend um years ago in LA um and then connected a couple times when she came to New York I think she's just cool as hell Garcelle's cool I love what she's bringing to um to Beverly Hills I think that we're going to see more, you know, I think she was kind of feeling it out, mm-hmm. you know, cause I think when you come on, you got to kind of, you know, feel it out a little bit. Um, but she, she, I thought she brought it and I think she's going to bring even more heat. I think she's going to bring even more heat. I have a little bit of a similar concern to what's happening with Dr. Tiffany, albeit very, very different circumstances that now because now that Denise is gone I just have a little bit of okay, a nervousness yeah. that it's going to be again a pack mentality which to me is not interesting and I'm concerned that the target is going to be Garcelle I know that she said she got along with Kyle now but like that doesn't mean anything when it comes to the actual narrative it doesn't but also I do think the dynamics with Garcelle are different and because Garcelle herself is she's like especially in black hollywood but even in hollywood at large like she has been in the game for Mm. so long i mean she is just legit like she's a legitimate star right from going back to the jamie fox show and Mm -hmm. just all the films that she's been in so i think that it is a little bit harder for them to other garcelle in that same kind of way just because she is like legit Hollywood right and she used to be married to an agent who was influential Mm -hmm. and like you know so Garcelle isn't just like any rich girl off the street she comes in with a resume credibility in the industry so I think that they I also think that the women are aware of that And she's also on a daytime show that's currently airing. So she has a platform to talk about things every day. So I think they're very aware of all those dynamics when they handle Garcelle. So I don't think that they're giving her kind of that same energy that they might give somebody else. The interesting thing with Beverly Hills is so much of the currency and strategy because it's based in, you know, quote unquote Hollywood, because so many of these women are um, former (laughs) recovering child stars or current actresses and hosts and whatever it is that joining the show and bringing with you a genuine celebrity name brings with it a lot of power that these women respect when it comes to Garcelle and when it comes with to Denise that also means that the stakes are different because so yes. many of these housewives, they're fighting about the show or to stay on the show or to be the people's favorite when it comes to the show. But if you come into this specifically in Beverly Hills and you're a Denise and you're a Aura Garcelle and you don't need the show in the ways that some of these other women do it opens up this weird alternate universe because so much of the drama on housewives to me is the women dealing with the fact that they're trying to fight for alpha typically, or to be on the right side in terms of the audience, but they don't necessarily have an exit plan or they don't want one. Right. You have a Denise or a Garcelle who are like, 
I don't need to be here. This is not exactly. the, the biggest part of me when it comes to my professional life, which can sometimes change the conversation because you can literally leave the room versus other people who don't have the benefit of celebrity behind them to protect yeah. them from participating in the plot, which is, you know, the own the, the uh, specific challenge, I think, to BH. No, I that's a that's an astute analysis, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> that was, yes, that, that's an academic level of analysis. Uh, absolutely. And I think that is the case with Garcelle for sure, because she knows there are certain things she doesn't need to engage in or mm -hmm. she doesn't need to go so far. Um, and so that's the energy that she rolls with because she doesn't need to be the alpha in the room because she has, you know, so many other things going on. But I personally enjoy that little bit of energy mm -hmm. because I, like you said, I think it, it ruffles the feathers of the others, mm -hmm. you know? So that in itself is kind of like, I, I enjoy it. It's tasty because it's like their, their feathers are ruffled by the fact that this person's a little bit unbothered, you mm -hmm. know? And so that in itself creates an interesting dynamic. And I think you're actually going to see probably a little bit of that on Roni. Okay. We've got to talk about Real Housewives of New York. So tell me about your relationship with New Housewife, who is just coming out of the gate. I mean, I watched the trailer just now, right before we recorded, for like the hundredth time since it came out. <laughs> and you have a relationship with Ebony K. Williams. Yeah. You know, so new New York Housewife. Tell me everything. So yeah, so literally for the last four years, I was Ebony's publicist and um, she came to me when she was still at Fox News. So I'm not doing her PR right now or for Housewives. So, but that's my girl. We are, we're freaking frat. Um, we're great. Like you, what was it? You said something collaborator or whatever. I was like, that's a good title. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember the shit that comes out of my mouth. Whatever you said was a great way to describe it. But anyways, we're great strategic partners, but yeah, that's, that's, that's my friend. And I mean, so yeah, I literally have been working with her for the last four years when she was at Fox, she had a book coming out and that was just supposed to be a one little project for her book, pretty powerful. And it evolved into a really awesome collaborative relationship. And so I was with her while she filmed uh, season 13. Um, and so, yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be, it's going to be cool. What's the, how does that relationship work? Because you yourself are a Bravo fan, Bravo holic, <laughs> you know, super yeah. viewer. And now you have a friend and client collaborator who is filming <laughs> the show, who is probably calling you to be like so-and-so you know, this shit was crazy today, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Or I don't, I don't know what's happening with this person. What parts of you are participating <laughs> in that conversation the most? Is it the viewer who knows Ramona, who knows that she's insane from watching the show for so long? Is it the publicist, you know, PR side of you where you're like strategically when it comes to the narrative that the audience is going to be thinking about <laughs> and like what we can push when the show goes on? How does that work in your brain? Well, that's an amazing question. And that, happened <laughs> a lot. 
right? That happened a lot while they were shooting, right? Um, and I would say there's actually three hats you're I was me. wearing because you're wearing a, a Bravo, you right. know, fan hat publicist and a friend friend so, I'm his friend. yeah yeah um so it's kind of you know you're like okay what am I tapping into here um but I it would depend it would depend on what was happening mm-hmm. sometime it, sometimes it was something that needed a strategic approach from you know an overall brand you know PR mm-hmm. perspective sometimes it's something that they're literally just vent. She's just venting, right? Or telling you as a friend what happened. So you're just listening. And then sometimes it is as a problem. I mean, yes, obviously I want all the tea. So I'm always getting all the tea and I want to know. <laughs> of course. But this, I'll, get, I'll give you some tea. So my, we would start laughing because I'm telling you, Sarah, throughout the whole time they were taping, when Ebony would call me and we'd be discussing whatever her, whatever was going on. My saying to her all the time, would be like, is that on tape? And she'd be like, <laughs> yes, Giselle, it's on tape. And I'd be like, oh, then like the next day I'd be like, is that on tape? Like <laughs> whenever she told me, I'd be like, is that on tape? <laughs> because you were so surprised by like what was yes, being said. Yes. That it was like so wild. Yeah. So that's, yeah. You yeah, Whenever you get a chance to talk to Ab, ask her about that. Be like, Giselle told me she was always asking you, is that, a, that was my thing. She'd be like, yes, Giselle, it's on tape. It's on tape. Oh my God. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Cause I'd be like, every time we talk, I'd be like, wait, so that's on tape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. I love that. Yeah. So that's, yeah. She'd be like, girl, yes, it's on tape. Everything's <laughs> like, on Stop. tape. I'm recording a reality TV show. It's probably getting picked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or at first also too, at first when she would call me when she was shooting, I was paranoid. I'd be like, mm. are you, are you Mike? You know, oh, I'd be yeah, like, yeah, of course. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I'd be like, are you Mike? Are you Mike? Yeah. So <laughs> how did you, how did you counsel her through the process of agreeing to do the show? You know, did they come to her? Well, what was that? What was that like? What was that? And did she, did you help her prepare for it? And what does that look like? I mean, Ebony knows what she wants, right? Mm-hmm. You, you'll learn that when you guys watch, you know, she's, she's very, you know, she has a clear vision for herself. So she, she, she knows what she wants to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a years long process. Um, and so, yeah, it was kind of just, you know, something that we all, you know, everybody on her team kind of weighed in on, but at the end of the day, she, you know, she made that decision. So, um, but everybody, we all gave honest input and Mm -hmm. whatnot, but yeah, she's very, very focused. So. Did the picture in, did you have a picture in your head of what her story would look like on the show? And how did that compare with the trailer? The trailer actually is not giving away any plot. Really? No, it's not. Meaning there's more story that wasn't even tapped into? the, The trailer is, is the, is so surface. You're not seeing it. Yeah. There's so much more coming. It's, it's, it's not giving away anything, I which think- I love about it because I felt like, for example, 
the Atlanta trailer. Okay. I felt like Atlanta trailer gave away so much. Like uh -huh. we knew that whole, the whole season was around Bolo. Right. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we all knew that from the jump from the trailer, the Roni trailers. No, like it's not telling you, you guys, it's going to be, you guys are going to be so surprised. It's going to be so good because it's really not giving away anything. Well, I mean, I think that also taps into the tabloid slash press of it all because think about the Raider Online and Puppygate with Lucy Lucy. Think about Bolo. All of that stuff broke during production online. So we knew the biggest, the likely biggest part of the story months prior to seeing the actual episodes play out. With New York, I don't know that I had a lot of info on stuff if there was like a big moment, I don't think it was covered online. If it was, I'm forgetting about it, which does leave the space for this stuff where, yeah, we may not, if there is like a big, larger narrative that's happening, I think, well, just I have knowing, no idea of what it could be. Oh gosh. Yeah. There's lots, there's lots, there's lots. Well, I mean, I think the biggest part of the, I mean, listen, I, I need to hear a little bit about this because I think the uh, Ebony factored in a big way into the trailer. And a large part of that was um, in her conversations and kind of accountability sessions, shall we say, with Ramona. Yeah, that's so, I'm just, you guys are just really in for a treat because when it comes to Ebony and her storyline, those interactions that you saw in the trailer, mm -hmm. you know, where she's confronting Ramona on, you know, those kind of the like help. race yeah. Yeah, and stuff. That is like, I think that's just like, that's really just a fraction of her storyline. Again, I don't know what the edits are going to be look like, mm -hmm. but obviously I know what was her, filmed. Her, sure. Um, and so based on what was filmed and and who else I know you know is a part of that um it's just a fraction that's just what's, a fraction what's small deal, fraction what's the deal with Ebony and Lou does that factor into it at all because there's that like awkward moment during the trailer of Ebony saying you know I have she's talking about her education which is she's a lawyer and um, all of her media work. She's obviously highly educated. And there is some awkwardness, some tension with her and Luann that might just occur during the brunch or that might carry over. Is that a part of what I'm hearing? Is there's like some sort of larger picture? I'm get, trying to get a sense of what what is missing when it comes to po potential um, uh, tension existing within, you know, this yeah. universe that she's joined. I mean, I think there's so much going on. There's so much going on. And I think just Ebony's own story as it mm -hmm. unfolds on the show, mm -hmm. like, I think that's what you're not really seeing, right? Um, it's going to be her story that's unfolding that I think is what's going to really capture viewers and pull them in. And I think some of the stuff that you saw in the trailer is like weaved into that. But there's, mm -hmm. there's just a lot of good shit. Mm -hmm. A lot of good <laughs> shit. That's all I can say. Like, you know, obviously I can't give specifics, but it's like, there's a, there's so much good shit. Like I will even say, actually, I was a little underwhelmed by the trailer because I know what has been filmed. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was a little underwhelmed. I was like, oh, okay. But 
it is a good kind of highlight overview, mm-hmm. but it, there's just, there's just so much, I think. And I think it's going to be good because I think viewers are going to just learn and see so much in each episode mm-hmm. that hasn't been given away. How was her experience influenced by the fact that we're in, you know, a global pandemic right now? She wasn't able to have the typical filming yeah. experience of any franchise because of and being in New York, too, which is very specific. New York right now, what, there are two highest states in the country with COVID infections are New Jersey and New York you know, global epicenter for a hot minute and a little bit longer. What, how did that change potentially or um, shape her experience filming? Because you're dealing with the yeah. stress of trying to survive a pandemic and also this show, you know? Yeah, I, I think it was stressful. I think it was mm-hmm. really stressful. Um, I think that, well, I mean, she's already on the record saying this. I mean, she had COVID. Um, She had COVID like in end of March, April. So that was an experience of its own, right? Just actually having it. Um, And And when did they film? Do you remember? They didn't start filming till like the fall, like September. Okay, got it. So, okay, so that she had a long period of time in which to hopefully. Yeah. And so she had anti, she has antibodies and Mm -hmm. everything. So, um, but yeah, I think it was stressful, right? Just going through that experience and then just with um, events and stuff like that. Like, um, my company actually helped her curate one of the events that you will see on the season. Okay, great. Um, And so, you know, it's just the logistics of that, everybody having to get COVID tested. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I think it did make, you know, things stressful, like, because even, you know, my people had to get COVID tested. And, you know, it was like, it was a thing. So I think Mm -hmm. for everybody, cast, crew, vendors, or whatever, like anybody that touches it, right, it was stressful, because it just had like, more more red tape around every shoot that they did right so yeah and also she had this thing and you're in a cast with people who are kind of like not necessarily non-believers but like a hundred percent non-carers I mean I just rewatched <laughs> last season's reunion right. I don't know why it was actually a lot better than I remembered the first time first or second time around and there's Ramona screaming I don't put masks on us when they're taught when Leah's like literally being like you were in a restaurant like we're not talking about the beach right about you just wandering around living your best life and Ramona is I mean to use one of her new favorite words gaslighting you know she's like distorting the reality in order to try to silence um a response or um just create a new narrative and then you have somebody joining the show who works in the media space who had um just recovered from covid itself i mean that's exactly. got to be that's got to be a little tricky because there's a lot to take on with ramona i would think she's like a relatively triggering presence and has a way of interacting with people that's not necessarily based in basic respect, um, let alone nuance. I mean, (laughs) there's a lot to bring with it that's like specific to COVID and also the environment that we're now in, you know? But I think the thing that Ebony brings, like that you kind of alluded to when you're talking about Beverly Hills as well, is like, 
that experience with mm-hmm. productions, right? So mm-hmm. like, this isn't somebody who's new to production. So mm-hmm. she just knows the lay of the land and the name of the game, you know? So Ebony also tapes a weekly show for Revolt every week. So, I mean, she's working with production. She tapes her podcast with iHeart every week. So even though she's doing Roni too, it's like, yes, you're going to get all these interesting personalities and dynamics, this, that, and the other, but she's so used to this. So she does, I think, come in with that energy, just like we were talking about Garcelle. That's a little bit different because she's not phased by certain things that like other people might be phased by. And yet there's also, when it comes to reality TV, the element of agreeing to give up control. And, you know, I host a podcast. I have the ability, if I want to take something out or add something in, I can do that. I I am the producer. I get to kind of um, help paint the picture of each episode. And this weekend I was in a photo shoot and had literally no control over everything, anything, which I agreed to. I was a participant, but it was also just a reminder to me that in this thing where I talked about some experiences, yada, yada, I am realizing in the moment I have literally no control (laughs) over what this is going to be. And I'm talking about very, it was like a very vulnerable experience where I'm talking about very serious things Yeah, and opening up because I am essentially at the end of the day, it's like, let go and let God, even though I believe more strongly Manolo Blahnik, but like at the end of the day, it's like <laughs> trusting in maybe it's just trusting in the spirit and the vibe of whatever is going to be the result. Right. Where like, I can, but that's the like any media interview. That's like any, you know, like even right now I'm taping this with you. I, I don't have editorial control. So that's, you know, I think when you are in the game so deep, Mm-hmm. like people are used to that it's just it is it is what it is it's a little more intense obviously because reality your it's your life like your personal life and you're filming so much more content but I think that she's she's a pro I mean there's you know she's a pro she's a pro I totally yeah. hear you but I also think like just that little experience for me is in no way it sort of reminds me a little bit of this while we're talking because to be on a reality show to me is very different from other aspects from podcasting from other forms of tv especially if there's a news angle or information angle to this bravo is a very specific universe and having to interact and experience with people who you may or may not respect in real life or want to hang out with in real life and you're sort of allowing yourself to be um upset for a significant period of time because of the stakes involved because of some of the personalities involved you do have to interface with these people and maybe it can be a good thing maybe it can force you to care about somebody that you would have um, yeah. in other situations, environments, just been like, you're not for me. It forces you to try to find That's a middle true. ground, which is good. But the flip side is at the end of the day, they're not in, inf- this isn't an information network. We're not, we're not trying to drive a narrative that I is. I don't know. I get, but I feel like when I was a news reporter, I interfaced with people every day. I didn't want to interface with or couldn't stand. <laughs> I mean, 
it's just like but that's, that's just, kind of the that's kind yeah. of the point of it right yeah. because like that's how that's like the that's the difference between yeah. bravo and all this other shit like right so it's, it's your you could be doing an interview with somebody it could be a couple hours long and then it gets edited into however many minutes yeah and then you don't necessarily have to see that person for the rest of your life bravo you're filming for how many months with these people you go on trips well, with these people it's different well it's it is a bit yes but i do think that there are always depending on where you work you might yeah i don't know i think that girl i've seen so much in my career <laughs> that i'm like no there are instances where you're working you're seeing those people every day you can't stand their asses so um so yeah, I think it depends on how you treat it, right? Like mm -hmm. whether or not you treat it as a job mm -hmm. or as you treat it as something that is a part of your real life. So I think that that's, that's the key right there is that I think some people really get, it's their life. Being on the show becomes their actual life. Yeah, and then I do than, think that, yeah. and then I think there are people who, treat it like an opportunity, like a job. And so I think that is sometimes the friction you see playing out on the show. Cause some people are, it's, it is their actual life. This is what they do. It's their purpose where some people are just, it's an opportunity and it's a job. And for some of those people who are like, it's an opportunity and it's a job that might not land well with viewers who want to see them exist in this universe and not feel like they're constantly being sold a bill of goods and that bill of goods could be like a sweatshirt line you know what I'm saying or well, like I think a it, yeah I think it depends on as long as you're still being authentic and mm -hmm. vulnerable in the situations right yeah if you go on and you're you're treating it so much like a job that you're not being authentic. You're right. not showing people your real life. You're not being vulnerable with your castmates and having real moments. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Viewers can see through that shit really quickly. But I think you can still treat it like a job and develop authentic connections with people that are real and meaningful and still, you know, show people your true life and not come out the gate with a line of products that just make it look like you, you know, are, um, it's a home shopping network, whatever. Um, so yeah, I just really think it depends, you know, who you are and how you navigate that. Um, and it, and it can be a fine line. I think you're right. I think it can be a very fine line. Um, but yeah, I think the key is authenticity. I think authenticity is the key and, and actually being vulnerable. And so, yeah, if you're not willing to be vulnerable, then going on a show like that and kind of trying to have a facade or um, a manufactured image that you're pushing, like, no, that shit ain't going to vibe. That's, you know, and I think we've seen that with different people over the years, right? I think you can be somebody who treats it like a job, like an opportunity, as long as you are still being authentic and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I think if you go in there with a manufactured image that you're trying to portray, um, then yeah, that's not going to vibe with the audience. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I just think as long as you still have to be authentic, 
you can't you can't go in there contrived that's no bravo universe is not about that shit who do you think is the most authentic housewife that is a wonderful question who do i think is the most authentic housewife good question girl let me think about that it's a hard one i mean people might not like my answer Oh, I love it already. I love, I love a like from another realm of possible. I love it. I love a dynamic, complicated answer. Tell me, who do you think? People, well, actually, I'm changing it as we as we talk because I actually, well, and- I actually, yeah, tell me, it's it's definitely um, that, that's such a good question. Who's the most authentic? authentic because it doesn't it doesn't mean consistent it doesn't necessarily mean consistent you know I actually think the most authentic housewife is candy oh it's exactly who I was thinking yeah I think why why do you say candy because candy again is somebody who doesn't necessarily need housewives, okay? Exactly. So she was somebody that came in with that same energy that we've been talking mm-hmm. about, that the Garcelle mm-hmm. energy, the, the Denise Richards energy, and, and to a degree, I would say the Ebony energy. Um, so, so there's that. Um, and then also, I think she's just been very authentic about who she is and mm-hmm. sharing the different aspects of her life with, you know, if you think about Candy and all the other people in her family that we know, like mm-hmm. Mama, uh, Mama, what's her mom's name? Joyce, uh, Joyce Mama, Mama Joyce, Joyce, her aunts who are crazy as hell, mm. um, Todd. <laughs> we even knew the previous fiance who got killed. Early, that was like yes, early on. Back in the day. Back in the day. super sad. Yeah. Um, her daughter, who we've seen literally grow up, um, you know, she's been very transparent about her sexuality and, you know, her interests or whatever, you know, she's been very authentic about that and who she is. And, you know, um, um, so yeah. And I, and just, I think, yeah, her, I think she's very authentic. I think that who, I think Candy knows who she is and, and she's just, she puts it out there, you know? Yeah. What was the name that you were going to say where you were like, people might not like this? Well, I, I was actually going to say Nini at first. Oh, tell me about that. I was Why going to say Nini. Nini. That's a really interesting. Yeah. Answer. She's kind of, that's interesting. Cause she's the other kind of end of the spectrum from Candy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think that she, even she's so controversial, but like in that is an authenticity because it's like, she just is who she is. Right. And she doesn't really try to sugarcoat that. And she Mm -hmm. never has. Um, And, you know, she never has tried to kind of sugarcoat who she is. And so whether or not you like it, or you agree with her or the things she's done, you know, the relationship dynamics that she's had on the franchise. Um, 
she, I feel like she's remained fairly consistent to who she is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and she hasn't wavered from that. And I, I think other people you've kind of seen where they've changed, you know, she's been very consistently Nene through and through. In the same way, Candy, Candy's been consistently Candy, right? Um, so, yeah, I think she's, I think she's, that's why I almost said her, but then I was like, no, Candy's, Candy's maybe a, a little notch more authentic. Mm-hmm. Just because I think of like all the people in Candy's family that we've come to learn about over the years. And like, they kind of each all have their own individual journeys at this point on the show. Like even Todd and the, the Mama Joys have their own thing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Riley has like, they have so many storylines just in that family alone. That's mm-hmm. why I went with Candy. Um, When it comes to Nini, Nini has been very vocal about her feelings toward the network and Andy specifically. Do you think that there's space for her to return in some way? And is that something that you'd like to see? Listen, nothing is, you never know, right? It's yeah. business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's business and money talks. Um, so mm-hmm. <laughs> you can never say never. Um, I think that, you know, obviously that's an interesting dicey situation, but um, they need her. I think they need her. I think they desperately need her. I, oh, well, that's the other thing. I'm, I'm not a fan of Latoya, who's also from Toronto. Yes. Oh. <laughs> we also have mutual, I've never. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we have mutual friends, but I've never met her. Um, I've never met her myself, but I'm just not a fan of her on this show. I don't think that she fits in. I feel like she's doing way too much way too much it's just girl I don't know what she's doing um she's doing a lot she's doing a lot she feels like one of the least authentic friends of that we've had in a minute it feels like I don't and the way that Portia looked at her when they sat outside um the Halloween event where Portia was like I don't know what you're talking about where there's actual confusion on her face because she can see someone trying to create a narrative and Portia's living in the space of, I think, genuine reality where she's like, this doesn't make sense to me. I shouldn't be a part of in any way your relationship with Kenya. I am not a participant in that. I'm not even a voyeur in that. I don't want literally there. The idea of I'm fighting between, you know, I don't know whose side to be on. And it's like, I don't think Portia necessarily even wants you to be on her side. She doesn't need you in the way that Kenya is exactly expressing that she needs and yet you still betray both of them so that you can straddle this middle ground that you don't feel like you even want that much she's giving me I really want to be a celebrity really bad and it's just not a good look it's not doing her any favors um I think that the audience has not really been responding to it very well right Mm -hmm. um so yeah I don't know why she came in with that aggressive energy like it's just it's just too much and yeah I don't know she's trying to play both sides of the fence she gets Mm -hmm. caught up she's not loyal to Kenya that was her in I I don't know it's it's a mess I don't like it they could remove her I'd be completely fine and I'm also just not really feeling Drew either so like (gasps) because Nini was really no I'm very bored with Drew and just she's not giving me much 
now. And what were you going to say about Nini? Well, I was going to say, because we came into this conversation via Nini, because like I was saying, like, they need Nini back because Mm -hmm. these, you know, the people they've been trying to add are just not really giving much um, Mm -hmm. and aren't really fit. So, um, yeah, like you, you know, it's interesting, like literally that's how big of a personality Nini is that you're, you need two people to try and fill that spot, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're both not cutting it. No. I mean, this ties in very well with the satchel of gold that I have that I want to get your thoughts on. And satchels of gold are um, listener thoughts and feels, questions and concerns that they send my way, either through Instagram DMs or emailing show at gmail.com. And they're named in honor, of course, of Kelly Kalor and Ben Simone during her his crazy island. island. Yes. yes. Scary island. That, that's my favorite episode, I think, of all time. That's my favorite episode. I mean... Yeah, season. Th- it's an iconic. It is a <laughs> it's one of it's like top two or three best seasons, <laughs> yeah, no. if not number one in Housewives history. <laughs> um, so I have a satchel from Mackenzie in St. Louis who says, does it seem like Kenya thought she would replace Nini? But maybe just maybe in a softer, kinder, low key way, Marlo is filling those OG shoes. Yes. No one. No one is Nini and will never be, but Marlo is giving me OG vibes. Shady when needed, supportive when needed. Oh my gosh, yes. When I was watching last night, I was like, and you know what? I've I've always been kind of lukewarm on Marlo, but Marlo's really Mm. giving it to me. She definitely Mm. is giving OG vibes. She really is kind of like, kind of have found her, her groove there. And I feel like the women kind of turn to her as that OG. She really kind of has like an authority over them. That's mm-hmm. really interesting to watch. And I think she's very measured and like still has the good one-liner. She gives us the fashion. I'm actually really standing Marlo this season. And I've, I've always been very lukewarm on her because I do think that when Nini was on, she kind of, you know, paled in comparison a little bit. But mm-hmm. now that Nini's out of the equation, yes, Marlo's taking up space in the cast in a way that she didn't before. And she definitely, she is the OG. Like, obviously, Cynthia and Candy are OGs too. But Marlo- I mean, spiritual, spiritual OGs. Spiritual OG, OGs. But yes. Marlo has a different energy to her. Mm-hmm. That's like, mm-hmm. she has a different flex. That's like, just, um, yeah. She just has a different flex about her. That's cool. I, and she's been so much more revealing in the past couple seasons. Yeah. I mean, hearing what she's been going through as a Monty, as yes. a, you know, caregiver to her nephews and- even like the ways in which she spoke with Kenya when she was like, you hurt my feelings with the room stuff with, with whatever else. And it's like, we've hurt each other. I don't want to live yeah. in this space anymore where exactly. she's taking up space, but she's also, she's putting up or at least expressing boundaries, which I think is really important. And that scene that she had with Portia, I thought was really interesting because Portia was telling her, her kind of confusion or, or hurt about her relationship with Kenya and the timing of it and her feeling that K- 
Kenya was using her for a larger strategic purpose. And Marla was like, yeah, but remember when you and Kenya were getting along and right with her right. when you guys were new moms and you were bonding? Like, I felt I was in your shoes. I felt the way that you felt like that hurt me, too. So not, neither of us are um, innocent in this. And the, you know, common denominator, of course, is Kenya. Can Kenya right. be as good a friend to Marlo as Marlo has expressed that she you know, wants and needs. There's a vulnerability there now with Marlo. Yeah. That that we're seeing. And I think, yeah, I think that the production value that editing allows for that more because there's not other stuff going on. Right. You know what? Mm-hmm. I, like, I think not that could have kind of been happening before we weren't seeing it because there was just other, like way more dramatic stuff unfolding. Right. I don't know. Like maybe it just wasn't making the show in the way that it is now. Right. I feel like there's just more space for it now because you don't have these storylines around Nini. You don't have, you know, there's just. Yeah. I don't think it could have been possible before with Nini and the cast, because as you said, like Marlo played a, a, um, a secondary role. Yeah. A wingman. She was, she was wingman. In, in yeah. the ways that Shamia does. With exactly. Marcia, Ex- except. Exactly. Right. Except Shamia is um, is like more in the kind of background of some of this where she's important, but she's much more of an ensemble to me. We haven't seen more of like the individual storyline of Shamia where we've seen more of Marlo's life. And yet she really did play a little bit of a supplicant role. And now she is taking up space. She's taking up more space. Yeah. And with that is, you know, a a little more vulnerability, I think. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, and that you see that with just trying to mend relations with Kenya and Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I think also like that tends to happen with the housewives, the deeper into seasons they get. Totally. You know, (laughs) because I think like, at first you're kind of like learning the lay of the land and where you fit mm-hmm. in and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And I think that that kind of naturally happens, like, you know, cause what's Marlo probably must be five seasons in at this point. Right. So I think she's just like, she, she knows who she is on the show. Who is your spiritual housewife? Who's the housewife where you're like, there is just this person who I just feel like represent for better or worse, by the way, because there can be, I have complicated spiritual housewife connections where I'm like, this isn't necessarily a great tribute to myself, but it is what it is. Wow. Who do you think is your spiritual housewife where you're like, I see myself in, in them or they feed a part of my soul where I wish I was more like this. Goodness. The way that they behave on the show. <laughs> I could go several directions with this answer. Wow. Okay. Let me think about this. My spiritual housewife. Well, I mean, I mean, I feel like if we're, if we're talking spirit, I mean, I, yeah. I very much so want to possess the spirit of the grand dame. So, I mean, <gasps> I very... Really? I, who doesn't do the grand dame? I think, yes. And I think that my friends kind of view me as somebody who's very wise and a little bit bougie. Mm. Um, so I would think the grand dame, I'm a, yes, definitely. I have big grand dame Karen Huger vibes. Yes. <laughs> I love yes, that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she is an icon. Yes. She is an icon. So... 
for sure. Yeah. Do you have a um? Do you have a housewife trigger? That person that like you can't stand. They they just light something in you and it's not good where you're like they can truly go fuck themselves or you just can't take them on the show that one person we're just like thinking about them gets you heated well (laughs) well one hmm, a trigger well I mean I've I've never really been here for Teresa (gasps) Ooh. yeah her energy is very much and I think actually this might tie to your previous question because I think like you know she's so explosive uh-huh. and that's very triggering to me because I am a fiery sag and okay. I I could probably, I, I have that part of me too that like I could flip a table on your ass um mm-hmm. but like so yeah, she's very triggering to me because she's so explosive. Yeah. Why is that triggering to you? If you because you feel like you have that too, and because I'm a feel- I'm fiery. Yes. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. So she just she gives me anxiety. <laughs> it just gives me anxiety. Wow. <laughs> yeah. When I, I yeah. Don't you feel that when you watch any of her scenes? She's like, just even just how, I mean, I love, like, obviously her storylines are amazing, but she just gives me anxiety. It's, she's so intense. It's just like, oh my gosh, she makes me want to flip a table because she's so intense. Yes. I, I definitely felt um, antagonistic vibes from her so heavily during the stripper gate seasons that I found it almost unwatchable because she was she had so much rage that to yeah. me felt misdirected and not coming from any kind of empathetic place when it came to the ways in which her strained relationship with her brother affected his own relationship with her parents and the void that her hu- then husband filled in that mm-hmm. which i thought was really unhealthy and so i really strongly disliked her and then something happened in like the last couple seasons and I've said this to some of my like you know AG co-hosts who've been on a couple times who are disgusted by this but like I'm like you know I almost enjoy that I do I'm not even gonna say almost I'm gonna keep it I'm gonna be authentic I'm gonna be an authentic person right now and say that like the Teresa of this season for example I'm almost charmed by while I disagree with everything that she's doing because (laughs) I think it's like almost charming like she is keeping to things and we see elements of stuff where it's like she says stuff maybe with a laugh or like you could take it as a joke but we all know she's not exactly you could have been a better friend like if you didn't like what I was doing you should have been a better (laughs) friend and stopped me or you should have been a better friend and said something else in return where it's like I don't know she just feels like it's like anxiety so she gives me anxiety and like that's why she's triggering to me because I I, whenever I'm watching a scene with her I'm like oh my god how would I respond Mm -hmm. to that and I know mm-hmm. I would be matching fire with fire. So it just, it like, I'd be like, girl, I could never, I could not be on a show with her. It would just be, we would be like fighting. We would be fighting. What do you think about this whole, I love that. I would love to see that show. Um, what do you think about her dynamics with Jackie about this? There's finally someone who's able to take on Teresa. Full yeah. Time. Well, yeah, they, it's good TV. That's what I think. It's they good to needed it. 
Yeah. People it's are anxiety so anti-jack, but it's it's yes. good TV. It's good TV. Yeah. And people are so anti-jacky and it's like I've seen a lot of tree hug uh tree hugger content creators and tree hugger fans and I just think like you do it. Like you want to be a tree hugger 100%. You have every right, but just appreciate the fact that we have a narrative in which to even take sides, which in New Jersey is right. a very unequal, uneven playing ground where some of the most explosive arguments or elevated stakes have been really, really unhealthy to watch. Like just unhealthy oh, to these people's families in very insane. genuine ways. And this, I'm like, I don't know, like the Jackie stuff with there's got to be something there, not in the sense of Evan stepping out on her, but just in how she is imagining how he, a finance guy, would be harmed professionally by rumors that he was cheating when he didn't seem that concerned about his professional life when she joined Real Housewives. This is a part of it. Exactly. They really made a mountain out of a molehill with that, that, that whole thing. I mean, that ru- the rumor or whatever somebody allegedly said to Teresa, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It It's crazy. It's crazy. But I mean, she's also, again, somebody who's trying to feel out mm-hmm. the lay of the land. So I think that's mm-hmm. a little bit of what's, I think what's going on with her is that mm-hmm. she's, she's, new and so she's trying to feel out her positioning and mm-hmm. I think that people that feel very invested on like making a name for themselves on the show you there's certain plot line you're going to just run with right even if it's not like she might know that her husband I mean obviously like you said he agreed to be on or that they she was going to appear on on right, the show which is a family decision it's a family, family decision is a part of it so obviously he knows there's things that are going to be discussed whatever so she might not she might know that he really is not like losing sleep over this however she needs a storyline i mean <laughs> I she, think needs, she needs a story totally yeah. i also think he's probably really upset about this which d- still doesn't negate the fact that you signed up for real housewives i understand you could be upset about this you think he's really upset about it i think there has to be something there i don't understand how the world of finance where morality is not even close to being as important as making people money at whatever cost and whatever you do on your time or even on theirs they're probably okay with as long as you're making them money like that is not an obscene idea that is the reality of uh, the large majority, I would say, of the finance world. I also do do think that if he found out that someone was trying to harm him in some way, yeah, he was probably, and by harm, I mean like reputation, which doesn't to me have to do with professional stuff, but just hearing that somebody is saying some shit that isn't true, I could see being upset about that. The level of a uh, the level of upset that they both are is slightly odd to me because they are presenting an alternate reality in which morality should be trusted on under all terms where we don't do these things. And it's like, this is not the franchise to think these things aren't done because that has been the foundation for many of these people, relationships, family. Exactly. The are so important. Exactly. On New Jersey, including t- talking about whether or not they're a piece of shit. But that's like, why I don't think he's really as upset as 
she's making it out to be. I think he could be a little bit upset. And I think that that upset is disingenuous because I think you need to know. I think at this point in the game, like 10,000 generations into Housewives. (laughs) Right. I get how it can hurt your feelings and piss you off. And frankly, you should be pissed off because that also serves the narrative of the show. We she's volleying something to you. We need to see your response to that. And the fact that we didn't get to see any of that P.S. because she wasn't filming is slightly annoying, but I get it boundaries like god bless but yeah maybe they are that upset but also too they're i think they're yeah maybe because they're not used to it yet i don't know but i i don't even know if i think that he's really uh, i don't know i don't know i think that she needs what else would she be talking about what else would be her storyline i don't know i mean Teresa is her storyline literally if she was not beefing with Teresa, um there yeah exactly so yeah Which, <laughs> i mean it's a great season of jersey so far i'm extremely into it i'm a the couple Marvel episodes behind but yeah oh yeah you yeah. are you are but it's okay i mean you're it's it's a really solid it's a solid season which i am I feel so much appreciation for. I think the last episode of Atlanta too was really solid. And Dallas is a, to me, a tough watch. And there are questions even on like, is Brandy going to show up to the reunion? Which I think is a valid question. I don't know whether or not she is, but it's a tough watch because at the end of the day, something on New Jersey happens and Teresa and Jackie may agree to disagree or they much, they may agree to continue hating each other until the end of time, which seems like the the bigger possibility here and then you look at something like Dallas and you can't get to an agree or disagree it really feels like the side that needs to be shared is Tiffany's perspective because so much of her storyline has been seen through Brandy's experience and eyes which is so mismatched oh, I'm not so anyway Brand I can't stand Brandy I can't stand Brandy she's just that her energy is not good she, I, I really would not care if she came back or not, or if she, I mean, she's just, I don't like the position that she's put Tiffany in. Tell me more about that. What kind of position do you think that she's just always, Tiffany it's in? like Tiffany, because Brandy is so afraid now of how she comes across and Mm-hmm. what you know it's just it's so annoying it's so annoying because now it's almost like brandy's putting out this energy of like that she's afraid of how she comes across and what she says and how tiffany's going to take it but then that in turn puts tiffany in a position of where now she feels like she has to tiptoe and everything she says is scrutinized because also they're closer to brandy than they are with mm-hmm. her it's just it's so messed up brandy is toxic she's toxic i don't like her i think that yeah Mm-mm. i'm not do you feeling think it she's always been toxic or do you think that this maybe again it could be the absence of leanne talk about opening space it's exactly not positive. yeah you know where the leanne was always the um I don't want to say I, I want to say target, but I don't mean that in any way of like Leanne being a victim. I mean, in the sense of attention yes. where she has been like the target of attention because she has taken up a lot of space and energy. And we've seen that be very exactly. Toxic. And now that Leanne is gone, which all of these women seem very invested in happening. Guess what? That space is now available. And it looks like Brandy is 
I mean, owns I essentially everyone else or the majority of the cast aside from Tiffany and Deandra are interested in taking up space in the worst possible way where they're like, we are going to be the complicated people doing the shitty stuff, you know, and they're doing it unconsciously or subconsciously rather. They're doing it subconsciously. And that's what just makes it worse because they don't see it. They don't see it. Right. Um, so it makes it way worse. Um, yeah, it's not a good look. You know, mm-hmm. they're just so, they are so bothered by Tiffany uh, just uh, doing the most basic things. Like she can't do anything mm-hmm. right. You know, I love me some Tiffany Moon. She is a yes. boss. And I don't even know, like, if people outside of Dallas even realize just how boss she is. Like, the Moon family is just next level. Okay, have you like have anybody? Tell in- me, can you tell me a little bit about them? I've read a piece about them. Yes, so they the, own the ju- Sam Moon jewelry stores. They oh my god, this is what I I was trying to tell somebody about this. I'm like, no, you guys don't realize the moons in da- in DFW. It's like so they a very big deal. Yes. I mean, they, in every shopping center, there's a Sam moon gigantic store that sells like all the costume jewelry you could ever want luggage, all kinds of stuff. Like, and it's in all the suburbs of Dallas, like the wealthy suburbs too, Frisco, Plano, like everywhere, everywhere. When I got my first reporting (laughs) job in Dallas, my stepmom took me to Sam moon, bought me like $200 worth of jewelry. So I could wear all this like you know, just all the costume jewelry that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, so they're just legit and they just have so many, like also like development and stuff in Dallas. I think, um, I think they're benefactors of Dallas Baptist university, if I remember, um, correctly. So the moon family is a big name in Dallas, huge. So she's, she is bossed up. So not only did she marry into the moon family, but then she's a doctor herself. I just love me some her. She she's she blows them all out of the water, like on a personal level. Like mm-hmm. she's the real deal, and that's why they keep, they're so bothered by everything she does, and it's just so painful to watch. Like she can't even she can't talk about anything. She can't. I she can't literally can't talk about anything. It's so interesting that they sh- they all have chosen, or the majority of them, again, taking Deandra out of this, they've chosen to shame her about the very things that her mom gave her no choice but to do. Get the job at all costs to be the doctor, which then um, Carrie with a K shames her for when they were having this wild conversation about COVID. Uh, you know, be financially successful and independence that you can support the family but also be seen as a success which is very important and then they critique her showing her closet which is something that all of them have done exactly on the show it's like there's no way for her to win because she's living up to her mom's expectations and those very expectations are equal to the judgment that her co-stars have like leveled against her exactly the very thing that she had no choice but to achieve that she worked her ass off to achieve she's in like a very small group of people 
who has gotten, you know, who's been incredibly academically successful and now has this incredible job that's like 80 hours a week or something insane, like wildly important and demanding job. And these women, she joins this reality TV show and she lands herself in an environment thinking she's going to have a little bit of fun, do something totally outside of any expectations, and they all punish her for it. They're just, they're, they're intimidated they're they're doing too much it's it's horrible it's horrible it's just like who could imagine that like literally you can't say or do anything and it's just it's crazy it's crazy because like you said she's not doing anything that they haven't done like show around their home show this like people are trying to get to know her and see where how she's living like that's part of the show you guys are literally on a show called real housewives where we want to see your houses and your and your shit so I yeah. mean like duh but when it's her it's, it's a problem I just I hate it I hate it it's just cringe it's cringe what's your favorite franchise what's your number one go-to your happy place well right now it's Potomac I would say oh and where did you find yourself this past season Monique v Candy Ciao so hard worse it's so hard i I, i'm really not a fan of either of them your team the table which was coined by uh monty marcus a podcaster and i say the same i am team the table yeah the table in that altercation i'm really not team monique or team candace because they're both problematic for different reasons um oh yeah wendy's another housewife that i know too i left that out i guess <laughs> oh dr wendy yes. we love some dr wendy yeah, here on yeah. AG. so yeah I, I do know dr wendy a little bit just through media circles and stuff we've met a couple times um so i you know was happy to see dr wendy show up and and represent um you know that space brought a beautiful family so that was cool um but to me it's all about you know um Karen and I thought Karen's storyline with Ray this year was like kind of is very endearing and like totally I was about to say super sweet yeah and just like again the authenticity the realness you know of like Mm -hmm. seeing a woman at that stage of her marriage and kind of you know, she was really hurt when he like didn't say he loved her or whatever it was. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just thought that was really that was that was cool to see this season. So, and then obviously, um, child, what? Um, oh gosh, Robin? Oh. No, Ashley. Ashley, but don't Robin could Robin? Robin's not giving me much. Robin's not giving me much. I mean, w- yeah, what what? A, I want a hat. No, oh gosh, that hat. that fake hat business was just too much for me. <laughs> I, I just, the, I'm so, I want one, and I don't wear hats. I don't have a hat. I, I just, don't have a head for Robin, hats. yeah, my, Robin. My head is too big. Robin in those hats, I just, I can't. But um, Ashley Darby, Michael Darby was was the show for me. I mean, I live for Michael Darby drama. Um, I really do. I live for Michael Darby drama. It's really good. That last episode was dynamite. Um, what will he do next? I can't wait. I can't wait to see what Michael Darby will, will, will he'll do. So, oh so that's why I love Potomac. I feel like, yeah, Michael Darby literally makes the show for me right now. <laughs> it's, he's such a mess and it's so good. <laughs> 
Well, listen, this conversation with you is definitely not messy in any way. And I'm so appreciative (laughs) for you coming on Andy's Girls. Where can people find out more information on you, possibly follow you online? Where can they go? You can go to my website, GiselleFelps.com. And I'm on Twitter at my name, at Giselle Phelps. I am on IG at GJP Media. My IG is really boring compared to my tweets though. So I would say, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Yes. Like if you want to find me talking reality TV, giving opinions, the the Twitter streets are definitely where that activity is happening. So at Giselle Phelps, um, G-I-S-E-L-L-E-P-H-E-L-P-S. And I have to ask you, we have a special segment on Andy's Girls called Small Business Satchels, where we highlight our favorite small businesses, which could be a restaurant, store, company, um, uh, salon, whatever it is, a place that means something to you so that we can highlight small businesses that in our area or elsewhere that need our support now more than ever. What is your small business satchel? Tell me. Mine is... The Harlem Candle Company. Yes. Love Harlem Candle. So Harlem is just so near and dear to my heart. Um, I've lived in Harlem for the last, what year is it? Six years, I guess. I don't know. I'm like, it's 2021. I'm out in LA right now. I've been here for a few months. And um, one thing I have remind me of Harlem is my Harlem Candle on the kitchen counter. Every day I see my Harlem counter. It's a little piece of Harlem, but um, beautiful black owned business, um, women that created them and the scents are super cool. They're all named after like iconic Harlem places and people. Um, oh. So definitely check that out. Love me. And what's your, what's your favorite scent? Do you have a favorite? Oh my gosh. I love the Duke Ellington candle. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 I mean, and the legacy. Just to say the Duke Ellington. It's like fucking class and a kid, class yeah. AF. And then there's a gold the- Lennox one too that I like. I like, and, and there's a, oh, never mind. Actually, I like, see, this is hard. I like the Savoy okay. too, because there's a Savoy cam- candle that's named after the Savoy ballroom. Yeah. Oh so God. get into it. Get into it. Well, guys, I'm going to include the info in the show notes for this episode on how you can support Harlem Candle Company. Yes, the Harlem Candle Company. Yeah. I have a listener satchel from Andrea who sent me in a satchel. And guys, I listen, this is a woman uh, run podcast. Um, uh, I'm a woman run small business. My cackle. Um, and so they sent in a satchel and they were like, I don't know if this counts as a satchel, but I 100% think it does because you got to shoot, shoot your shot. And this is a satchel from Andrew who says, hey, Sarah, I'm a big fan and longtime listener. Thanks for the entertainment you bring to my life each week. I am launching a podcast on March 31st, Adult Child, which will be about the impact of growing up in a dysfunctional family through the lens of my own experience at nine years sober and nine years of dysfunctional romantic relationships, I finally come to terms with the true impacts my childhood had on me. And guys, wow. listen, this counts as a small business. She's starting her own podcast. It is a journey. I got to tell you, I wish um, Andrea, Andrea, um, 
either, both. Yeah. <laughs> even else it. Best of luck with your new pod. And I will um, include a link in the show notes for AGs to listen. And um, I just want to say good for you to send this in and say, listen, I I want to promote myself and what I'm working on. And I'm t- she's doing a, taking a leap of faith and talking about something that sounds incredibly vulnerable. And I got to say best of luck. Mazel kudos to you, Andrea. So I'll include... Um, info on adult child in the show notes for the episode and my satchel is one of my favorite restaurants in new york <laughs> it is a vegan italian restaurant in the east village called sestina it's a part of the matthew kenny cuisine uh empire of incredible feels like five star or just really almost like luxe vegan dining experiences because all of the ingredients are magical and it doesn't feel like fancy in that way but just in the sense of like great well done imaginative food that's all um plant-based and plant-driven he is a, a genuine genius genius and they opened Sestina right at the beginning of or near the beginning of COVID in just one of those terrible moments of timing and had to close for the last several months due to COVID and dining restrictions in New York. They're reopening April 1st. I'm going to be there the first day that they reopen, aka the, the weekend following. And I'm so excited to see them back in New York City. I have literally, when they said that they were closing, somebody who works for the company was like, you know, it, it's happening. Like, we're going to you know, buckle down for the storm ahead when it comes to COVID and also winter times. And I went, I like literally ran there the day that they were closing. And I am not fucking with you when I say I ordered, I don't know, nine items maybe. Wow. And I had them in my fridge and literally had Sestina for every single meal for, I dragged the shit out of this. And I think because it was plant-based, like nothing went bad. I literally had it for every single meal and was like oh it's so good but also this is the last time that I'm gonna have gluten-free penne <laughs> for a minute so let me appreciate it so guys if you are a New Yorker or um live outside of New York and you have a Matthew Kenny restaurant near near you I highly recommend it he also has double zero my favorite vegan pizzeria next door to Sestina and next door to that Bar Verde his Mexican joint which is so fucking good the nachos are insane and um so I highly recommend uh if you're a New Yorker or near one of his places that you check it out and more info on Sistina specifically can be found in the show notes for this episode also guys P.S. Loverboy promo continues um participate enter the giveaway on Instagram and you could win the variety pack of the absolutely fabulous and you know this company you know them well the Leverboy Spritz variety pack you know it's owned and operated by Kyle and Amanda from Summer House and I'm so excited about this giveaway it ends uh very very soon and the only way to participate is on my Instagram at Dame Galley the contest ends Wednesday March 31st at midnight eastern EDT so absolutely sign up and join and you should be following me on Instagram anyway at Dame Galley join the Patreon get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more and listen new favorite person you were a delight thank you so much for coming on Andy Scrolls this was so awesome thank you for having me girl you I'm like 
we almost talked for two hours. My texts are blowing up. I, EKW was texting me about something going on on Clubhouse. I got to call her as soon as we hang up. I'm like, and tell her to come on Andy's <laughs> Girls. Be like, EKW, I was just on this amazing podcast and I lost track of turtle time because I had so much fun. So you should get in touch with my new best friend Sarah and come on the show. I will. I'll, I'll, I'll put it in her ear. I'll put it in her ear for sure. Perfect. Yeah. All right. This was a joy. Um, guys, stay safe. Double mask if you can and get the vax. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.